Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Fearless Parody Podcast Show. You know, parody doesn't come with a manual. It either does parody a child, preteen, or teenager. In fact, parody is very scary. It can cause every parent out there to be fearful, me included. The goal, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with information and resources that help you overcome family life struggles difficulties and challenges and to be able to parent fearlessly. So every week we provide information and resources to help grow your parental leadership while growing the leadership of your child, preteen, or teenager. In short, we are here to help you and your children become the best versions of yourselves. So get ready and dive right in to today's episode. Welcome, moms, dads, and guardians to another episode of Fearlessly Parenting Podcast. Today, I have as my special guest, Kim Keen. Kim helps overwhelmed moms break free of their past so that they can reclaim their confidence, power, and inner peace. Her commitment to ongoing education, clear communication, and fostering a mind-body-soul connection aids these women in coming out on the other side with fewer gray hairs and much less drama. So without any further ado, here's Kim King. Kim, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for uh, taking out of your time to spend some time with my audience. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Also on mine because mom's dad's guardian, she, she's going to speak on a very serious subject today. But before we jump into that, Kim, how about you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I'm a certified life coach. I'm also a Reiki practitioner, which is a form of hands-on healing. And um, I got started in this work um, through my own journey of healing. I left my teaching career. I thought I was having an identity crisis and come to find out it was lingering childhood trauma and lingering effects from abuse in a relationship with my high school boyfriend that was all kind of bubbling to the surface, leaving that, leaving my teaching career. And so once I started to have, um, I'll say success with releasing the, the feelings of anger and resentment and guilt and overwhelm, um, and anxiety and depression and stress of all those things, I thought, Oh my gosh, I, I get it now. I understand why I feel the way that I do and I know how to move through it. And if I can help other women, and other teenage girls get through that, then that's what I meant to do. Well, we definitely want to get into how that came about, because I think that you're going to show other ladies out there, and even some of you men folk, that just because you've had some negative things happen to you in the past, doesn't mean that you have to live there. You're in the present now, and you can move forward. Uh, Kim, I'm a man of faith, and I believe that uh, my God is too big for you to stay where you were. If you choose to come alongside of him, he's going to take you to greater and higher places than you ever could have thought about. You know, Kim, I I looked at it, and you you described yourself as that team. Yeah. That just spoke out to me. Wow, okay. He says, hey, I, I was that teen. Right? So tell my audience about that. 
Well, I didn't start off as that teen. So um, I was always a rule follower. I was always a good student. I always made good choices. I was afraid of getting into trouble. So um, I went to school. I got good grades. I was on the tennis team, the swim team, and then a boy came into the picture. And so then things started to change. Um, Mm. I stopped doing as well in school and um, I was spending a lot of time in my room and um, my parents could hear me arguing on the phone with him. And so I started to have a more of a defiant streak within me. I started skipping class and um, really not being, I really was starting to morph into someone that I wasn't and um, had lost my acceptance to college, even though I already had my schedule picked. And I had my all my fees and everything paid. Um, so things were definitely going downhill quickly. But I was very headstrong. So I wasn't willing to listen to anyone. And at the ripe old age of 16, um, you know, I considered myself to be an adult and didn't feel like I needed to listen to other adults. <laughs> because I was like, I'm 16. I'm an adult. You can't tell me what to do. Mm, yes, we when we're that age, we think we know more than what we really do. Yes. And I was definitely in that in that situation for sure. Well, so it, it sounds like to me, you know, uh, you you were acting out because of that relationship that and I would uh, uh, venture to guess it was an abusive type relationship, maybe emotionally. I know you get into that yes. a little bit, but uh, but you're kind of acting out because of that traumatic situation. Yes. So um, it was an abusive relationship. It didn't really start off that way. At least I didn't think that it did. So um, this was sophomore year of high school. Um, so mm-hmm. he, this boy and I were in different social circles. I considered him to be like in the loser group of kids because like cutting class, smoking, like not making good choices, not focusing on studying for school and getting good grades. It was really more of, you know, school was kind of like social hour for him. And he was just there fooling around and being a disruption. So I was really um, not interested in him. And he pursued me relentlessly from October until March of the, like March of the following year. So almost the entire school year. And he would send me roses from our high school flower shop. He would walk me to the bus in the afternoon. He'd meet me at the bus in the morning and walk me to my class He'd skip class to be with me during lunch, things like that. And so and so it finally wore on me because there really was no other boy knocking on my door, so to speak. So I thought that meant that um, no one else liked me. But what I didn't realize at the time is it's just as hard for a boy to go up to a girl to say, hey, I like you. Would you like to go out with me? As it is for a girl to go up to a boy and do the same thing. I can attest to that. It, it, it is not an easy thing for a No, boy. it's not. But I think as a teenage girl, you have this idea in your head from what you see in the movies that you know, when a boy sees you and likes you, they're confident and they're strong and they're going to come ask you out because that's what it looks like in the movies. And that just wasn't happening. So I finally settled for him and I reluctantly said, okay, fine, I'll be your girlfriend. But I really was still repulsed at that point. Um, And so I still felt like the center of his world, but things quickly started to change. So it was really grooming. He was grooming me um, to stay in this relationship by, you know, writing me notes and buying me flowers and walking me here, there and everywhere and really never letting me out of his sight. And, um, and then he started, he switched his classes to be in my classes. And so it's just started to progress into being something else. But then the manipulation started because he was within the school, you know? Yes. All within the school. 
Um, so then it was, you know, he would say to me, well, you're cheating on me. It's that's it. It's over. And then he would go and tell everyone that I was cheating on him when I wasn't, it was actually the other way around, but he was making me out to be the bad guy and spreading nasty rumors about me. So I looked bad, but it was really him doing those things. It's so it was kind of like on multiple fronts. Yes. Yes. So at the beginning of my junior year of high school, my parents, my dad had actually started taping my phone conversations. So they were finding out all sorts of good things that no teenage girl ever wants her parents to find out. <laughs> and um, how my dad tapped the phones, because this was in the 90s. So this was in 98, but it was like FBI style. So I'm sure you know how my dad did it. But still to this day, <laughs> I have no idea how my dad did it. And they confronted me with the tapes and said, you can't see him anymore. And that was when I was like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a teenager. I'm 16. I'm an adult. So um, my dad kicked me out and then I came to live with my mom. So I actually didn't talk to my dad for five and a half years during this time. Wow. That, that, that had to be very, very difficult or very, very hard. It looks like he took a very hard line with you. Yeah. Uh, did, did that positively affect you in the end? I mean, how, over time, how did that work out? So, well, because my, the way that my family works, uh, my parents are divorced and they have been since I was very young. And so in this time, my parents actually came together as a united front, which wasn't always the case. Uh, but my dad's love is very conditional. And so, and that's the case with other family members too. So as long as you're doing what my dad thinks you should be doing, then it's aces, all is good. But if you're not doing what my dad thinks you should be doing, or he doesn't agree with you, then it's very easy for him to cut you off. So I was very, um, of course, angry. But I also mm -hmm. had this attitude kind of like, well, forget you in much more inappropriate terms, like I don't even need you then. Um, so I was just kind of angry and ticked off about it. And was just like, whatever, that's your loss, not mine. Um, but it wasn't until I left the relationship five and a half years later, when I was 21, that my dad decided that since I was no longer in that relationship, he was going to be willing to have a relationship with me again. So, um, and things are good now, but we still over 20 years later have not talked about this. <laughs> so it's like, it just didn't happen. It just disappeared into the ether. So how did you push past this abusive relationship with this young man? Uh, because I, I tell my daughter, I said, now, this is going to sound bad coming from your dad. And I've told many young ladies uh, as a school officer this. So now I'm telling you, us men folk, we ain't no good until we get around about 23 or so. You, you really shouldn't take us seriously until we're like about 22 or 23. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm just telling this is just your daddy telling you the truth. You know? Right. And I say the same thing to my girls because now I have a 12 year old and a nine year old. So my 12 year old is in middle school. She's just finishing up sixth grade and she has some strong opinions about the sixth grade boys that are not so favorable. So I'm like, <laughs> just give them time. It takes them a little bit longer to come around than us girls. But like by the time they're finishing college, 22, 23, that's when you'll see that they're really not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what What turned the light off for you that you kind of needed to turn things around and move away from this young man? Yes. So um, I knew that I was meant for more. So um, he had actually gone away to jail for the last year of our relationship, which had nothing to do with, our, with the uh, domestic violence in our relationship. It was actually... Um, 
due to him assaulting someone else. And he violated probation because um, he was having problems with drug addiction. So he was having positive drug tests and almost six months of positive drug tests before he was finally violated and sent to jail for violation of probation. And so I stayed with him for that year. I even said yes to the jailhouse proposal, not really wanting to, but kind of hanging on the hope that when he got out of jail, things would be different. Um, But when he got out, things were not different. The drug addiction spiraled even more out of control. He wasn't working. He was starting to hang around with the same crowd that he was before he went to jail. And I was just like, this is just not working. And then, and we were 21 at the time. And um, his little cousin said to me, you know, he's having a baby with so-and-so. And I was like, get out of my car. Cause he had gone inside to use the bathroom and she came out and she was like, did you know, did you know? And I was like, did, do I know what? And um, she was like, he's having a baby with so-and-so. I was like, you need to get out of my car. And I drove away because I was like, okay, that was like finally like the big clunk upside the head that nothing is changing. And mm-hmm. if I stay, then this is going to continue to be the existence that I have um, if he doesn't kill me. So I just knew that there was more for me in this life than dealing with this nonsense. And so it was really on a whim, a kind of a split second decision that I made to leave and not go back. And, you know, a lot of young ladies, like I said, well, I was a school officer, I would tell them, you know, you're, you're met for so much more than this young knucklehead over here. Get your grades. Yes. Do the things that you need to do and, and try to come alongside of the parents and said, you know, I know your parents are probably telling you the same thing. They're coming from one point. I'm coming from another one because, you know, I, I want to see you become the best version of yourself. And uh, I, I want to congratulate you on, on your courageousness because it's it's hard to talk about these things. But as you can see, uh, moms and dads, uh, if you're facing this challenge with your child, they can come out on the other side in a positive way. And even if you disagree with what they're going through right now, I just want to encourage your mom and dads to love all them despite the trials and tribulations that you go. Don't make it conditional. Our our Lord Jesus Christ didn't make things conditional. He, He loved us unconditionally so much that he died for us on the cross. And you likewise need to be that Christ like example to your child, no matter what they're going through. Doesn't mean that you have to tolerate some of the silly things that they have going on. Yes. But your love should always be conditional. And Kim, you want to speak on that if you wish to? Yeah. And so I think that was really kind of what propelled me into the relationship was that because my parents were divorced, I mean, I knew my parents loved me, but my dad, my stepmom, I didn't have a really great relationship with her. And they have children who are substantially younger than me. So their children are 13 and 16 years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. So um, I, it was tough because I felt kind of like the oddball out there just because there was tension with my stepmom and me. And it was almost like my dad was starting over a new life with my stepmom and I was kind of just there. Um, And then at my mom's house, my mom and my stepdad's house, um, I have three older stepbrothers from my stepdad's first marriage. And then my mom and my stepdad have a son together who's six years younger than me. And so that was kind of also like a weird, like dynamic too. Um, Family there. Yeah. And so, and I, it's weird because it's like, I knew my parents loved me, but I was looking for love in a way that they couldn't give me. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was really what propelled me to this relationship and kept me there for so long. Plus two, I didn't want to admit to my parents that they were right. 
Um, because when they said we couldn't see each other anymore, I really didn't want to be with him. But I didn't know how to say, yes, you're right. This is not working. This is a bad relationship because I knew my parents couldn't keep me safe at school. I knew they could keep me safe at home. But when I was at school, he was he was there and they weren't. And, and in all fairness, my dad did call the school and say, if you see him with her, you were to call me at work immediately. And administration was doing that. Teachers were doing that. But then it would just cause an argument with us when I got home from school. And so it wasn't really, there wasn't like those phone calls to him. It wasn't doing anything to stop the contact at school. Mm. So well, it was. You, you were facing that challenge it, it, day in, day out without any seeming relief to it whatsoever. Yeah. And so it was really a hard thing for me to communicate to my parents. Plus two, I was 16. I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I didn't know how to say that to my parents because there was that fear of getting in trouble. And so, I mean, now that I'm a parent, I totally get it. I can see why my parents did what they did in regards to the situation. But I, as a parent, tried to instill in my kids. And, And don't get me wrong, my parents did too, but I just didn't feel like I could really lean on that. Like if I, cause like now if I tell my kids, like if you're, you know, when you're older and you're in high school, if you go to a party and someone's drinking and you want to leave, you will not get in trouble for being at that party. Like I want you to call me immediately and we're going to have a code word. And as soon as you say that code word, I know exactly what it is. No questions asked. And I will come get you. I didn't really feel like I had that with my parents, um, especially not my dad, more so with my mom. But it was weird because now my parents were coming together as a united force. So I didn't really, I was a tough dynamic to navigate. So it was just, it was hard. And so, and like I said, I was stubborn and I was headstrong and I wanted to be able to say like, oh, I'm doing this, figuring this out on my own. Um, And so I just, I stayed. Um, And it was to the point where when I was 21, I was like, what are you doing, Kim? Because I was working three minimum wage jobs, still not having enough money to put in the gas tank like spending all my time at his parents' house because if I didn't, then he would accuse me of cheating on him again. And so it was just like this perpetual cycle of the same nonsense repeating itself over and over. And I just thought, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be dead or I'm going to be in jail. So like, I just can't have that for myself. And, you know, I was going to ask you if you had what tip to give to parents who find themselves in a similar situation as your parents found themselves, what would that be? But you've already hit upon that. And I love the fact that you gave your child the freedom to come without being judged, without being accused, say, hey, if you step into something and it's not right, if you give me a call, put out the code word, no fault. I am there for you. I will come get you. I will come take care of you. You're telling your child that they're more important than the situation because uh, a very good kid can walk into a bad situation in college. You know, I'm ROTC student, uh, and I walk into a party and there's pot all over the place. I just did an about face and came right out the door because I knew that ever get caught up in that situation, there goes my scholarship. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I was able to talk to my dad and my mom about that because I had the freedom to do so. But parents, I want to encourage you to lean into what Kim just said. 
make sure that your child has the freedom to, if they find themselves in a bad spot, that they have the freedom to come to you and tell you and, and for you to help them escape out of that situation. But it takes relationship and it takes them connecting with their child when they communicate with them. Hey, Kim, we're, we're going to wrap up this particular episode, but I want to continue in, uh, in, in another episode. But right now, tell me and tell my audience where they can find you and find out a little bit more about you and your services. Yeah. So um, I am on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm just dipping my toe into TikTok. Um, but all of my social media platform names are the same. It's Kim V as in Victoria Keen. Kim V. Keen. Um, so you can hit me up on social, send me an, a, 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 what do they call it? A DM, send me a DM <laughs> direct <laughs> message. Um, but you can also head over to my website, which is kimkeen.com. All right, then. Hey, moms and dads, guardians, I'm going to have her information in the podcast description. Every week I tell you, you got to check it out. You got to check it out. There'll be offers in there. There'll be uh, sometimes free parental resources, I think right now I have a putting up a link to a parenting course that I have that I put out there for parents. So just check it out. You'll be able to find out more about Kim. But that brings us to the end of this particular episode. Till the next time, everybody out there, God bless. Well, that concludes another awesome episode. Please, please check out the podcast description where you'll find links to family and parenting resources. And I want to thank you, moms, dads, and guardians, for listening to today's Fearless Parenting Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and that it added value to you and your family. And I want to leave you with something that was what said by two-time Nobel Prize recipient Marie Curie, who once said that nothing in life is to be feared. It's only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. That is why we have this show, to help you understand more about parenting so that you can fear less. So I want to challenge you, like I always do, to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless.